stimulus deal from the US government? Well, hopes were alive overnight, but maybe they've fizzled out now. It certainly boosted US equities for a while. Then reality set in. And the pound has been helped by the UK Chancellor's unveiling of a follow-up to furlough, keeping real jobs alive. But does that mean a big rise in unemployment as those zombie jobs disappear? And President Trump, will he step aside if he loses? It's Friday, the 25th of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar was down a little today, about a quarter percent down on the DXY index earlier, but it's regained most of that. Stocks were rising as well. All three indices were up around 1% or so. Now they're down in the uh, last hour or so of trade. Bonds not doing much as well, although one basis point has been lost on 10-year yields as the shares fell. And even when the US dollar was down, the Aussie dollar was down further. It's now down about 0.4%. The euro is up 0.1%. The pound is up 0.1% as well. It was up more than that. Uh, early on too and gold and silver well they were up but uh, they've basically fallen with the fall in shares and oil has lost some of its gains too but WTI uh, is still up about half a percent and now for the second time this week back by popular demand Gavin Friend, senior market strategist at uh, at NAB in London, a uh, bit of a roller coaster ride on on shares, and it was all driven by the hope, uh, as it seems, the forlorn hope that there might be some sort of deal between Nancy Pelosi and Stephen Mnuchin, who've been uh, talking about getting a stimulus deal together. It's obviously fallen flat on its face if we look at the way the markets have reacted. Yeah, good morning, Phil. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we've got several negative forces weighing on or having weighed on financial market sentiments in recent days, um, variously pressing down on stocks, eroding confidence in EM recovery and boosting the dollar. And as we previously discussed, these increases, uh, the increases in new daily COVID cases in a number of European countries Mm. Uh, to pretty elevated levels, particularly in Spain, France and the UK, and which are seeing more local lockdowns uh, and restrictions. These actions, of course, will crimp economic activity um, since early September. And after making some, pro- some, some you know, promising progress, US daily virus cases are rising again. And, you know, yeah. we know Congress has been, to your point, unable to come to get it together on a stimulus plan. And we've also had this creeping US election uncertainty. So it's not surprising against this backdrop that there's a growing number of analysts and economists out there becoming more gloomy about the uh, outlook for the both the US and the European economies in Q4. And that's starting to offset the optimism there is on China and Asia and the rest of it. And so it's hardly, hardly surprising as this mood yeah. darkens that it's focusing minds on Capitol Hill. And to your point, House Speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin both indicating Thursday at one point that they're prepared to resume negotiations. The question remains, however, are they capable of getting past their own ideals? I mean, Mnuchin yeah. is still talking about targeted packages or a package that's not going to cut it i think for the democrats who want to spend more unless and if the republicans are prepared to do numerous targeted packages uh that might appease the other side i mean the the the, the, the irony of this is that there are initiatives that both sides agree on um, yeah. And so, you so know, why don't they just do that and move on? Because obviously, you know, they're getting to the point where they uh, they all go home at, ahead of the election. But then you've got on the other side, you've got people like James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed saying uh, this morning that the U.S. economy is going to be close to a full recovery by the end of the year. Really? 
uh, earlier in the week, of course, he said, you know, there's there's no need for fiscal aid. They don't need to reach this agreement because they have, uh, between the actions of the Fed and the money that's already been ploughed in, uh, they have enough resources to, to cover it because the economy, you know, was uh, it, it, he reckons will only shrink by 3 to 4% by the end of the year, and that was half of what was anticipated earlier. So it's all cool as far as he's concerned. Well, I think he's coming from the point of view that the, the, the US really did weighed in with some big stimulus early on in the crisis, uh, bigger than anybody else. And, and that's, mm. you know, the idea that that will see them through. But as that's not the message from Capitol Hill from from his boss, yeah. uh, Jay Powell. Uh, and it's not the message, as I say, that, uh, that Wall Street and uh, others are giving in terms of the gloomier predictions that they're now seeing as they run the slide rule over how the economy is faring in Q4. And I think there's a lot of going to be a lot of focus on things like next Friday's non-farm yeah. payroll. And, we, and look, we saw the, the number, the weekly jobless numbers, of course, uh, last night as well uh, for last week. Uh, they were expected to continue drifting downwards. They actually went up a tiny bit, didn't they? And yet, conversely, we had new home sales that went up, which is sort of points to the haves and have-nots, doesn't it? Some people are losing their jobs. Other people are out there buying property. Uh, it's exactly the point. I mean, the weekly claims uh, moved a little higher, 870,000 from 866 below the 1 million uh, level there for the fourth week running. Uh, it's true that pandemic unemployment assur- uh, assurance claims, so that's the uh, the gig economy workers, saw claims fall again to 630,000 from 675. But we're still talking a combined 1.5 million claims each week. The pace of decline yeah. is pitifully slow. Mm. Um, and, you know, to your point about the housing, I mean, okay, so yes, you know, new home sales jumped over a million in August. That's 100,000 higher than the consensus estimate, and it takes it to a full, nearly a 14-year uh, high. I mean, this has been one of the standout areas that does fit a V-shaped recovery. Record low mortgage rates are helping, as has uh, a, a, a desire to relocate. You know, there's a yeah. real low level of supply out there, which I guess could keep this thing going for a bit for a bit longer. And all, you'd have to think that all this moving activity yeah. will be good for the construction, sort of remodeling and de- de- which, de- DIY activity. But to your point, all this is is mainly for those who are fortunate enough to, to still have a to, to still yeah. have a job. There are and plenty pe- of folk out there who just can't who participate in this. Yeah, like hospitality. So uh, open table restaurant bookings over the weekend uh, in uh, the US. 35% down on the same time last year. That's not picking up. Uh, if you look at uh, Wednesday morning's traffic peak in Los Angeles, had 19% congestion at the same time last year. Uh, it was 69%. Last week, it was the same as as, as this week. So all that sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, high-frequency data, all of that's pointing to the fact we're a long way from a speedy return to, to normalcy. But let's look at something else. Are the markets uh, reacting at all to... The president's response uh, on Wednesday when he was asked whether he would commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses the election on uh, on November the 3rd. He he just said, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that sounds like a no to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think markets are already braced for some uncertainty that will likely emanate from the counting process via the mailing ballots mm. and that, that, you know, that, that may take an extra week or two or, or, or perhaps longer. Remember... Back in 2000 and the Bush-Gore-Florida recount that eventually, um, I mean, went to 9th, 12th of December. That saw the uh, the Supreme Court halt the recount that had already started. So you know, that was a delay of about a month. But of course, you know, you know, what has been sort of intimated by some from President Trump's remarks 
overnight uh, would take this to a whole you know a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, particularly if it gets the uh, the, the the courts involved in it. But he's saying it's all down to uh, the the ballots, isn't it? The the postal votes. He's been warning about that. The fact that there's a mass distribution of postal voting forms, which he says is going to skew the election result. Basically, I mean, an alternative explanation is that Donald Trump, you know, doesn't want to give any impression in any Q and A. That, uh, that 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 loss is on the cards. Yeah, maybe it's not part of his. It's not part yeah. of his makeup. If we've, if we've learned anything from Donald Trump over the last four years, <laughs> it is it is, it is that he believes he's a winner. Yeah, um, yeah. It may be. It could be all that. All it could be. The other thing I would point out is is that senior Republicans, including Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, have come out today mm. uh, to commit to. Yeah a peaceful transfer of power should the Republicans lose and that there will be an orderly transfer. They have tried to calm the waters, haven't they? And look, uh, over in the UK, the the pound was up a little bit today. It's lost some of that now because things have moved around in the last hour or so. But I'm presuming that the rise was a lot to do with the measures introduced by the the Chancellor there, uh, Rishi Sunak, to support workers. Uh, He's going to support viable jobs uh, which is not means it's probably not going to save a lot of jobs in hospitality and, and, and tourism. Uh, so I would imagine, looking at this, we can still expect uh, employment to turn south quite a bit after the furlough scheme ends there. Yeah, so, you know, the, so the furlough scheme, as it was, worked by paying people's wages expressly so that they could stay at home uh, and not spread the virus and keep their job. That's no longer the government's ambition here. It was a very, very costly scheme. Now it wants to target support to employers who have cash flow constraints so that they can preserve jobs that, you know, to use your phrase, that are viable. Mm. Uh, and I guess you might, you know, in that sense, you say that this is part of the sort of restructuring of the UK economy, how we move forward from, you know, in, in the government providing that bridge. Now, this this scheme is going to cost billions rather than tens of billions. So there's, you know, that's in it for the government. Um, but to your point, um, you know, it's unclear at this stage how many people currently on furlough will be uh, will be able to take part in that scheme. And, you know, from the media and everything today, uh, there is a suggestion that um, we are going to see um, a rise in uh, unemployment as we get towards the back end of the year as... Mm. A great many number of these people probably, you know, currently on the furlough don't actually uh, won't be able to take part in that scheme because they're not meeting the, the requirements of working um, at least 33 percent of their previous contracted hours, you know, to be able to get this payment. So mm. um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's it, it, I think the reaction is still unfolding on this and we need to see how it's going to play out. Yeah. Over the next day or two. Look, Josh Frydenberg's going to release some budget numbers today, including uh, last year's budget deficit uh, and he's basically saying he's in no rush to get the budget back into surplus uh, he was saying that yesterday not until the unemployment rate gets down below six percent so more government spending presumably to help uh, Oz for the foreseeable future uh, w- with all of that and the fact that you know so a government that's prepared to, uh, to to weigh in where it's needed and the fact that the infection rate is so low it's still surprising to see you know a falling Aussie dollar even when the US dollar was falling earlier today the the Aussie dollar again was falling even more well you've got two things here haven't you you've got this negative backdrop that we've talked about for markets generally we've had EM which had been driven up you know over the last sort of weeks and months coming off very heavily Australia, the Aussie dollar, like the Kiwi dollar, is a high beta currency. It moves in tandem with broader risk-off moves. So you've got that. And then the other thing is the 
uh, backdrop to what's going on with the RBA. And over the last few days, of course, there's been a lot of commentary out there. A lot of banks, including ourselves, have come out to suggest that we think that the RBA is going to take the cash rate down again and do some more QE buying and what have you. And of course, that backdrop, I think, is adding to some some nervousness. And and, and that's partly by design because one of the one of the factors that the RBA will be pushing for is to buy more bonds and make the make the Aussie dollar less attractive. Mm. All right. US durable goods orders tonight. That's about it, isn't it, really? They're very light on data. We're at that point in the month, Phil. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see uh, what the week brings us next week. Good to talk, Gavin. Have a great weekend when you get around to it. Thanks for joining Thank us you. today. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. That's it for now. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again next week. See you Monday morning. <laughs>